My name is Hans. I get to serve as one of the pastors. We're in a series called The One and Others, and we are in Family Sunday. God's heart for all of us is the series. Family Sunday is when there's limited child care opportunities outside of the room, and the opportunities all show up right here in the room in all kinds of ways. And so we'll start with that. Now, <clears throat> I'll just say this. You probably can't see it very well. Kids might be able to because I'm not that tan, but right there... There's where I was scarred recently, and here, and here. You see, I don't know if you can see those marks, but that came by taking a phone call on a bike. Not the smartest thing to do, and I was on basically the last tenth of a mile of a 20-mile bike ride, and that's when I decided to take a phone call. <clears throat> My wheel got caught, and I ran into a mailbox. The mailbox is fine. I know you were worried. Luckily, for the sake of me and any mailbox replacement I would have to do, the mailbox was the one brick mailbox on my street. So it held up. And I didn't fall off the bike. And I finished my call. I want you to know all of those things happened all at the same time. <clears throat> but I'll just say this, <clears throat> because that was a few weeks ago, and it's already healing over quite nicely. Life would be quite interesting if the injuries that we got in our bodies never healed. I mean, imagine being 60 and showing up with everything that had ever happened to you. It like, you would just, you would look dead. You'd go, oh yeah, well that's where this happened. I broke my ankle here, it never healed. This stubbed my toe here, broke this thing, got cut. Maybe we could just say you'd stop bleeding, but the wounds were all just still there. We wouldn't be able to even look at each other, right? Look at one another would be the command in scripture if we had to do that. Just look at one another. Ugh! Because that would just be the most bizarre thing to do. One thing I try to tell my kids, and we'll even have those scars. I have a kid who has a great scar on his chin from when his chin hit the road. Or the road hit his chin. I'm not sure which one came first. But imagine if you still limped because you rolled your ankle when you were 12 and now you're 75. And you just still have that limp. Or you cut your arm and you still have a band-aid you have to put on every day just to cover it up. Or Willie wouldn't have to, you know, his shoulder would still just be banged up. You could really tell a story. Now, scar stories are kind of cool, aren't they? Like, you, oh, yeah, let me tell you how I got that one. Let me tell you how I got that one, especially for boys. I'm a, again, we are a boy house, and so scar stories are always a part of our lives. Like, whoa, what is that? What happened there? Oh, let me tell you. But if we didn't have those stories, you would just look hideous. And that's okay, too. We would all love each other still. But if we put this actually in the realm of our relationships how we relate to each other. Every single person here, every single Genesis attendee, Genesis member, anybody in this room has wounds from relationships. Things that have happened to you, things that you have done to others. You have ways that you've been sinned against and you have ways that you have sinned against others. And very often, we live life without the healing that is for us from the Lord in those relationships. We live with the emotional and relational unhealed wounds as if our bodies never healed from their own physical scar or like their physical wounds. And we actually operate in life with all of that woundedness kind of coming out of us at different times and in different ways. 
And the problem with that, in a sense, is we're the Christians in the room. Like, we're the ones who call on Jesus. We're the ones who believe in, in salvation. We're the ones who want others to find forgiveness, and we'll still be the ones who wear our hurts or hurt others or don't, as we talked about last week, ask forgiveness. And we're missing out on something just incredible that God has for us. Because God has an incredible way to restore relational wounds, relational harms, relational sins. And it starts with what he has done for us in Christ, and it moves to what we are able then to do for and with one another. And yet, very often, we don't run around applying that balm, that forgiveness to those kinds of wounds. We just exist in our hurt. I've done the same thing. I'll share a story toward the end about a years-long way that I just lived in my hurt, lived in my own kind of hard-heartedness and stayed right there. But today, we're going to talk about the hope we have. Kids, this is the same for you, too, because I bet your parents have let you down in a lot of ways. I bet Dad has been angry when you, with you when he shouldn't have been. I bet there have been times you have been accused of doing something against one of your siblings that you actually did not do, but you're the one who usually does it, and so we just, you always get the blame. And so that's probably happened in every household and in every way. And here's the thing, parents in the room and grandparents in the room, you probably made decisions early on in life to say, I will never parent like that. And you actually are parenting in your own wounds. You're parenting your children to try and cover up for a way that you felt hurt and trying to avoid your own children from ever experiencing that without actually addressing the fact that the Lord even has something for you in your hurt. So today we'll talk about what forgiveness looks like. I'm going to give you, if you have the, the chart with you, or the kids have the, the coloring, I'll give you the words here in just a moment, or when to color those things in. So if we're going to talk about where forgiveness comes from, the kind of person or quality that exists for forgiveness, and then the commitment we need to make to one another as, it, as we read in the letter to the Colossians. So how, right, the source, the kind of orientation, the posture, and the commitment that we make. We're going to start with that idea of the right orientation with this simple idea. This is for those of you who have that cross in your, in your notes. God provides the source of forgiveness. Like it comes from him. God provides the source of forgiveness. It starts there. Everything we've been talking about to this point is it starts vertically and moves horizontally. And sometimes that can be very quick, and sometimes that takes a little bit of time, but we start with that vertical relationship to move into the horizontal. When I say vertical, I mean between us and the Lord. When I say horizontal, I mean between us and others. Like we talked about last week with confession. Confession starts with the work that God has done in our hearts, and very quickly that conviction can set in, and we move to asking forgiveness of another person. But it again starts with what God has done for us. So it doesn't mean there's days, weeks, months, or years at times, unless you're like Hans, and then sometimes it's years. God provides a source of forgiveness. We're going to start right there in the first part of Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on then. Listen to how Paul talks about it. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Just look at those words. He starts with, he's going to move to some virtue but he begins with a way he wants you to put on a certain kind of behavior, like you're putting on a coat. This is who you are. This is what identifies you. And he 
goes right to who you are. You are God's chosen ones, selected by God, elected by God in this right relationship. And because of your salvation, you are holy, set aside, set apart, and beloved. Because we're chosen by him, the middle clause there, God's chosen ones, this is God's forgiveness. Holy and beloved, it's a transformation that God has given. And if God has made the change for us, God has made the change in salvation, God has made the change in setting us apart, God loves us, and we operate from that position. The only right place for us to operate as believers is in that space when it comes to how we should be living. Now, there are really two places, you could add a third there if you wanted, but in general there are really two places where you can look when it comes to forgiveness. You can look up or you can look in. Up means you look to the Lord to understand who he is and what he would have for a situation. You read his word, you ask other brothers and sisters to give you wise counsel in those spaces. So up, you look to God. In, you look to yourself because you want to you try to do it in your own power or in your own strength. The other way, if you want to give like a 2B, would be you look to others and just let them decide for you, but you might not actually be surrounding yourself with wise counsel. You might be surrounding yourself with embittered people or frustrated people or people who have the same hurts who are going to tell you to live in an askew way. So up or in are generally the two places that you go when it comes to forgiveness. And in, if you know my heart or I know yours, but you know yours, so you're, we're good. Not a lot of good in there, is there? Like, like in regard to what capacities do I have to do this in the right way? You have the capacities that were given to you by the Lord. Anybody here have a passport at all? I used to, mine's, mine's expired. Yeah, it's a passport, people, okay. Yeah, mine's expired. I really have to get it renewed. It's going to take a while. I heard there's a gigantic, like, hundreds of thousands of people long backlog, so I just keep delaying that thing. But when you know your citizenship, you operate in a certain kind of way. When you know where you belong, you operate in a certain kind of way, and you recognize the access and the capacities that it gives to you. If you don't know your citizenship, you're going to be hesitant. You're going to be confused. You're going to be wondering, can I do this? Can I not do that? Can I, can I live this way? Can I not live this way? Because you don't know the governing principles by which you are allowed. But for those who are in Christ today, and these sermons are for the church, these ideas are for the church, the one another's are for the church. If you are in Christ today, then you have an identity as a God's chosen, holy, and beloved one to operate in a certain kind of way because he's done a certain kind of work for you that empowers you to live as you ought with other brothers and sisters. So that first image is the cross. God provides that. We move to this second idea, and to get there, we're actually going to go to verse 14 and then backwards, but love provides the motivation for forgiveness. <clears throat> the reason we're going to say love provides the motivation, and that's that heart image, kids, if you see heart. So cross, that's one. Heart is your middle image on your slide or on your sheet. Love provides the motivation. And the reason we say it this way is because in this passage, Paul is giving a way to operate, a way to be dressed that demonstrates those who belong to Jesus. And as he gives this way to operate, he actually makes this list of virtues and then goes to verse 14 and says, and above all of these things, we'll read the these things in a moment, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. 
So when we are speaking about forgiveness, or when we are speaking about compassion, or when we are speaking about graciousness, and when we are speaking about our speech, we are ultimately speaking about love. It is the binder for the Christian that holds all of these other items together in, as Paul would say, perfect harmony. Now, if you look at some of the virtues of that new life that you see on the other part of verse 12, you'll see this. You see compassionate hearts, the second part of verse 12, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. That becomes the verse 12 virtue list. And then he moves this, because we have these virtues for a new life, all in how we relate to one another. Isn't that interesting? Is that those can really only be measured in the community. Patient against what? Humble toward whom? Like, like, like you could, I guess, be humble in a vacuum, but it's almost one of those, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a noise? The ability to see that type of behavior requires another person, another brother, another sister, a church family together. And so the community is the place where these things are lived out because ultimately these are relational ways for us to be. I have to be compassionate toward someone. I have to be humble in a situation. It has to be able to be demonstrated or else it's just a desire. And having a desire to be humble is fine, but having a desire to be humble while you sleep doesn't really get you anywhere. You have to demonstrate this humility. Kindness toward whom? Meekness toward whom? Patience with regard to what? Everybody in this room I know is patient toward themselves because you just move the goalposts. Patient toward another. And then as it builds up, There has this idea in verse 13, bearing with one another. Do you know, I'm going to just, just bearing with one another, you know what that that means fundamentally? Put up with me. That's what it means. Like we would use that now. Put up with me. If, you know, Paul would use this. If you would bear with me a little longer, if you would bear with me a little longer, if you find that idea, bear with, bear with, bear with, it really connotes for us, put up with me. Right? It's like when Thanksgiving's coming around the corner and you know there are going to be some people in the room you don't want to see, and they know you're going to be in the room and they don't want to see you perhaps, and like all that happens, it's like, nope. And, and what does mom say or what does dad say? Hey, listen, we're family, and this is your family, and we're going to love them, and we're going to care for them, and we're going to do this, and yes, your aunt's crazy, but I grew up with her. And I've seen it more than you have. Whatever you say in those situations, the idea is put up with me. Put up with one another. And to put up with one another, what do you have to be able to do but to kind of just lay aside what you want? Lay aside what you think. Lay aside what you desire. And just go, yeah, you're in the fam. Come on. So bearing with one another but recognizing as the relational issues go more intensely because there's always going to be this moment in a relationship where you go, how long do I have to bear with you? How long do I have to put up with this craziness? Jesus even got this way with with, with disbelief. How long must I be here? You know, he was longing for it to see Israel restored in repentance and they wouldn't return. How long, how long, how long? If one has a complaint because you bear with so long and it escalates into a complaint, forgiving each other. Now, if you look at at the intensity 
of those relationships. That's why it kind of verse 13 marks something a little different in relationship because you bear with each other, but then if you have a complaint, which lo and behold, look at that, like when you have a complaint, if you have a complaint, the recognition that all of this is happening in the community life, then you forgive. And then look at the qualifier to go back to that first idea. As the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. This is a similar idea that Paul says in the letter to the Ephesians. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Do you see how sources from God, but then for even how we relate to each other, that kind of forgiveness is the kind of forgiveness that we offer, ask for and offer to one another in the church family. Now that can be an incredibly hard thing. Lindsay got me a new uh, pair of glasses, which I was really glad for. You might think they're Elton John glasses, but they're not. She got me a pair of glasses. Yeah, J- Justin thinks they are. She got me a new pair of glasses with which to see, to put on a certain way of viewing life, kids, right? That, that the, the closer I walk with the Lord Jesus and the more transformed I live by him because his spirit lives in me, the better I am able to operate in the ways God would have for me to walk. But let's just say that I'm living at a distance from God, right? What starts to happen as I, as I live differently, live in the flesh, live with my own desires, is I begin to have a whole lot of this world and a whole lot of these relationships that aren't marked by the glasses, but marked by my own sight, my own thoughts, my own desires. But the closer I am to God's love for me in Christ, the more easily I can operate in the way that he would want me to operate. And so, like, for all of us who maybe your families do family devotionals, or maybe you do things where you, uh, where you read the scriptures regularly, maybe you do different ways you operate and sing and gather in worship and gather in community, these are all ways to help remind us of what God, now I can't see pink all day, God reminds us that as we walk more closely with him and the spirit within us that longs for a certain kind of living, the more our vision is marked by love, kindness, humility, compassion, gentleness, meekness, bearing with. When the glasses are way out here, I'm bearing with nobody ever. Except for maybe my family and the Browns because they're right by them. It's all I got. Limited view. The more closely and deeply I walk with the Lord, the more easily I see life as the Lord would have me to see it. Now, God's forgiveness for us is quite an interesting thing. And it's a rather significant challenge for all of us today. The reason for that challenge is because when we have as Christ forgave you as our marker, I start to think about the ways I'm forgiven. And I go, hmm, that isn't really what I do that often. Because how, did, how are we forgiven through Christ? Completely? Fully? There was no string attached to the forgiveness that God gave us in Christ? Joyfully? And if you've ever been wrong, even just think about the relationship you have with your brother and sister, right? Like, 
where, where you, you think of those relationships and then you're being confronted on something and you go, yeah, but somebody else needs to pay for this too, right? I'm not going down alone. It's my brother, my sister, somebody else is getting this taken out of them too. If somebody has a complaint, forgive as Christ forgave you. The reason we have to see that is because we talked about this last week. We always have to be going back to the source of forgiveness to be able to get the right bearing. And the more often we go back to the source, the more clearly we'll be able to see what God in Christ has for us. But if we don't go back to that source, we're only going to be trying to forgive in our own capacities and not in the capacities that exist for us as a believer. Now, something we need to realize about New Testament life. You don't really have to look around, but just in your heads, right? Just in your thoughts. Just, just, just do a quick scan of the people who are around you. You see me, you see people to your left, to your right, probably family. You see some people over there. On the other side of the room, you see people that you don't talk to that much and you feel bad about. And on this side of the room, you feel the same kind of thing. If you're in the middle, you see everybody perfectly. And so we have all of these things, but the New Testament is written largely to specific churches with brothers and sisters that we will spend eternity with whose names we do not know relationships we do not know, tensions we do not know, and the assumption that exists to the Colossians and to the Ephesians is that there are going to be people we need to bear with, will be those people too, and there's going to need to be forgiveness extended. You're, the longer you walk with the Lord, now this is Hans here, this, just, this is just Hans the pastor for a moment, the longer you walk with the Lord, the more you should ask for forgiveness, not less. And that's because, it's not because you've gotten better as a believer or worse as a believer. It's because you recognize how important it is to ask and extend and ask and extend and ask and extend and ask and extend and how necessary it is for congregational life. And standing there at every opportunity that there is for us to ask or extend is the flesh. A couple of things are going to happen in regard to the flesh, this, this, this desire that pulls us away from God and towards self. A couple of things happen. One thing that will happen is that the flesh is going to want to keep you from asking forgiveness because you don't want to, you don't want to go that low. So it will keep you from asking forgiveness or you'll go, I think enough time has passed. I think enough situations have gone on. I, 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 th I, think, it, I think it's fine. I saw him the other day. Seemed good. All good. <clears throat> so that's one. Or I haven't seen him in forever, so we're fine. On the other side, maybe for the offended party, there's this, well, I'm going to hold it against them because I want to. You ever been in that situation where you just want to keep holding, holding some kind of grudge? Because it feels really good in a fleshly sense. Not in a spiritual sense with the Lord, but it feels really good to make somebody feel really bad. <clears throat> it's kind of nice to get that kind of retribution against them. But this is not how God in Christ forgives. And so we have a different way of operating. Forgive as Christ forgave is that third idea, that hug that you have there in your notes. A couple of ideas because we've already seen the command. I'll give a couple ideas and then we'll have a couple notes and I'll tell you a story, okay? When sinned against and confession is asked, what does the biblical pattern ask for us to do? 
Begins with an F, ends with an or give. Forgive. Right? Like, that's, that's what it asks for us to do. This is really hard. Justin, you talked about the drinking bird, right? I, I, I bought one. It's at my house. I thought about having it right here the whole time, but it was too distracting. So I said, Courtney's like, you taking this today? I was like, I'm just going to keep it at the house. So it's, it's at my house. I bought it this week. Where it's like, the amount of times we have to hit reset on our relationships is way more often than you think. Right? You can't paper over hurt. And so you have to keep going back to the Lord in order to do that. Remember who he is. Go, yeah, 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 yeah. And so this pride that we get of going, I'm really good. I haven't asked forgiveness in a long time. Probably not a good sign. Probably not a good sign. Either you're walking so far away from people that there's no need to ask forgiveness. Or you're just so, so full of yourself that you always think that you're right. Both are bad places to be. So when sinned against and confession is given, forgive. When you sin against somebody, confess. And to the somebody who sinned against, forgive. Now here's something that becomes a little interesting. Remember that the source of our forgiveness is God. I want to I run down a scenario. For example, I have a friend. I have a friend who was really hurt in her family life. Maybe that's been your experience too. A lot of hurt in family life. And really, in certain ways, sinned against scarred, wounded, hurt by a parent. That parent has since died. Okay? So earthly reconciliation out the window. Because the reconciliation actually requires the two parties to be able to get there. Out the window. So, what do you do with that? When the, the, the biblical pattern is restore, reconcile, ask forgiveness, forgive... When the actual other party in the room can't do it, well, this is why you can still go vertical. You can, because of Christ's forgiveness toward you, extend every every opportunity, every example of forgiveness, if the earthly relationship still exists, while waiting for that reconciliation. What do I mean by that? I mean you can not, you can actually in Christ not harbor, not drudge up, not be embittered, not let it hurt others. But there is this aspect of reconciliation relationally that does require the other person, where we have to go to another person. It's built into the way believers should function. So if forgiveness has not been asked, the provision for forgiveness for the believer are still all there. Why? Because they have been fully forgiven The Lord Jesus holds no grudge against us. There's no hurt against us. There's no harm against us. Because that is true, we can operate toward others in the exact same way while praying for opportunities for reconciliation and restoration of relationships. This is why my friend can can live freely even though the capacity to restore an earthly relationship is actually now gone. Because she knows what has happened for her in Christ. She knows how the Lord has forgiven. And the Lord can do that kind of work. But ultimately, this is the hard part. Because we love the idea of forgiveness. And even parents, even adults have to do this. Like, do you forgive them? Do you forgive them? Do you forgive? Ask forgiveness, son. Ask forgiveness. Say you're sorry. The amount of times you say that in your life, if there were like a nickel, we'd all be millionaires. 
Your curriculum that you're using, if you're going through this small group material, actually borrows Ken Sandy's work. Ken Sandy has a book called The Peacemaker. It's phenomenal if you want to read on peacemaking and forgiveness, but they modify. What does it mean to be forgiveness? When you to offer forgiveness, extend it, it fundamentally means for the human relationship four things. I'm never going to use this against you in the future. It's done. It would be like God bringing up some former sin that he's already forgiven. Well, don't forget, there's still this one. No, it's fully forgiven. And so I'm not, this is no longer a chip, a bargaining chip in the relationship. It's not going to come back up. Do you remember the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis with his brothers? And there seems to be this forgiveness moment. But then when, uh, when Jacob dies, the brothers start to wonder, well, shoot, was he only playing nice because dad was in the room? Like, was it like, like dude, we got to be really sure he's okay with us. Because there was still fear that something would be brought back. In forgiving, you are committing to not use that sin and that harm against another person. In forgiveness, you are committing not to tell another person about the sin. In forgiving, you are committing not to dwell on the sin. That's a hard one, right? We love to dwell on the ways we were hurt. and just, it, just, it just stirs up all kinds of stuff. Those heart glasses get real far away real quick. In forgiving, you're committing not to let the issue hinder the relationship. But remember, as we already talked about, because of the flesh, this can be incredibly hard because your flesh is going to keep pointing you back to you. Well, you are a little justified, or this is still right, or that is still right, or this is still okay. Ah. And so it's not like we go, cool, I'm going to sign. Let's get the lawyers together. I'm going to sign the forgiveness contract, and we're going to move forward. You have to keep disciplining yourself to those habits and those commitments. Because human hearts are funky places. And you think you're real good at some point in time, and everything's working right, and then... A year later, you go, ah, I didn't even know that was in there. I didn't know I still felt that way, right? And so you have to go back to the Lord. You have to go back and understand what's happening. Go, I can't, I can't live like this. And so we don't realize that those, th- those things creep up on us. I'm going to give you a personal example. This is an example of my own failure but God's work. So I say to my shame but to God's glory. So bear with me. As I tell the story. Because this is something the Lord is continuing to teach me. I'd like to think I have it licked by now, but apparently I don't. I had, and I'm using past tense language on purpose, I had been carrying for years, for years, um, hurt, relational hurt. I did not even know it was there. I really, if you ask me, is that good? I'd go, I think it's, it's as good as it can be, right? Like, I don't know if we'd ever be buddies, real close buddies ever again, but I think we're good. And I thought I was done. And then I would have some conversations with people, and I would, I would tell the story. Why am I telling a year's, long, a year's old story that has no, you don't know, you don't know the relationship, you don't know the things. Why am I bringing up a year's old story with other people? I've told the story to people here, and I find myself leaking out these little shards of unforgiveness. And here's what began to happen. 
Because I'm hearing it in my own words. I'm like, man, this was forever ago. I don't see this person anymore. I don't interact with this person. Why in the world is it coming out this way? Well, here's what I did. I let, I let the hurt hinder even the potential of the relationship. And what I mean by that is, I just kind of wrote the person off and said, it's fine, we're good, best to you, we'll pray for each other, but please don't ever show up again in my life. But as I spoke about it, I could, all of this hurt would come out in how a yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And I, it was almost like the Lord in those moments, and it took again years, was revealing to me, this isn't over. This isn't over. The way you feel about this isn't over. Because what you're doing is I'm limiting my ability to speak well of a brother. I'm not speaking well of a brother. I'm actually, I'm actually limiting the way I want to speak about him. If anything, I want to look better than him. And so you can hear all of these little ways that you ask many people. They probably go, oh, no, Hans, you're totally fine to feel that way. I'm not okay to feel that way. Because what am I not doing? I'm not believing the best about somebody. I'm measuring them by their worst moments. I'm speaking about, to you about them in such a way. Like, there's all kinds of ways that this comes out. And this is really God's grace. This thought was, this man doesn't deserve this feeling, and I don't need it. Because I'm actually preventing the gift of a relationship in whatever capacity it might need. So I reached out in a text in a moment where I was really convicted by this, and I just said, hey, I mean, when you don't talk to somebody for years, how do you reach out, right? Like you, you, so I just kind of said, hey, here's what I would like to talk about. And I just laid it out. I said, I would like to ask your forgiveness. I have no bear. He has to say nothing to me, right? Nothing. I want to ask your forgiveness for some ways I have been harboring hurt over years. If you, I like to, I like to see you face to face to do it. But if that's not possible, whatever. And if you need anybody else in the room, that's fine. Like this does not become in this exchange. This is not me going. Well, I'm going to do this, but I would like for you to do that. Not the case. That's a transaction. Forgiveness is not a transaction in that regard. And so I was like, you don't owe me a thing. You don't owe me a thing. You don't have to do anything. But I need to look you in the eye tell you how I've wronged you even at a distance and ask your forgiveness. Well, we could not schedule a face-to-face. In town, out of town, in town, out of town. So we scheduled a Zoom call. And I just laid it out. I said, let me tell you what God's been doing in my heart. Let me tell you where I am. And just kind of said, went through the list and we kind of shared our stories together. And here are the ways that have hurt you. And and this was the other part. I said, I said, I need you to know I'm really done. I'm not bringing this thing up in this way ever again. I'm not, like, I'm for you. I, in whatever way I need to demonstrate that to you, I'm willing. If you need something from me, I'll, I, will, I will offer that if you can be, so you will believe it. If you need to ask me, if we need to meet more often, if we need to talk, and again, I mean, he's not going to, in that moment, take me up on all these things, but I just go, I laid out how I was hurt, how I was foolish to prevent something in the relationship and what God would have for us, and that I had no expectation on him to reciprocate anything. I just needed him to hear it. But here's what I'm also doing, is I'm stepping out of faith going, Lord, I trust that your heart for your church, Big C Church, is beyond anything that I could do. So I'm even going to reach out and assume 
that this person would be more than glad to extend forgiveness. I have confidence in that because ultimately I do know his character. He walks with you. I know what the Spirit's going to do. And so we talked for an hour, an hour, about life, about hurts, things we had, ways we had hurt each other, asked forgiveness and all the ways that we knew how to ask. And I looked him through the EI, right, the Zoom screen eye, and I said, never speaking negatively about you or this ever again. That's my commitment. Now, in all of those things, God was gracious. He was gracious because his longing for his church is not perfect relationships, but restored relationships in the model of the way he acts towards us in Christ, which is perfect. So we take the perfect as the model for the imperfect, and we operate in those capacities, trusting what he will bear out in us. And so it's unfortunate. I was talking to another person. I mean, I was on a, a bit of a tour here, it seemed. Uh, but I was talking to another person and about just forgiveness and hearts and pastors and, and leadership. And this person has had years of life with me. And, and his comment was, and, and we were sitting in the same room, and he was looking at his bookshelf, which sits right there. And he goes, man, Christians of all people should have a trophy case of restored relationships. Like a trophy case of restoration where they can just go, oh, yeah, remember that? Remember that? Remember that? But we don't, right? So rather than walk around and tell our scar stories about the time my kid was playing disc golf and I took the phone call of the guy who was going to drive him home and ran into a mailbox, the mailbox survived, and all of those things we begin to do, relationally we should be able to have the same kind of things, but we have to be able to heal from our wounds, and the mechanism that we have for that is realize how we've been forgiven and extend that to others. The longer I live in church life, the more people I see who have church hurt, leader hurt, and the more they've hurt others. But rather than address it, they'll leave or will leave the relationship. Or I'll do what I did and I will wander and just be embittered and not even realize all the ways that I was embittered. And so rather than have another restoration trophy on the trophy case, I just have hurt. You just have hurt. We just have hurt. Because we leave so many things undone, unrestored, unreconciled, or in offering forgiveness, we actually still use it against people and we've never really forgiven. We just go, yeah, I forgive you, it's good. Like, like saying the word somehow just makes the heart go, oh, okay. We all know that performative Christianity will very quickly go, I forgive you, while still just being very mad at you. Right? I forgive you. But I still think you're terrible. And once the list comes up after, then we haven't actually extended the forgiveness that we have. And the only place we have to look in order to realize that is to the Lord. So let's stop for a moment and let's consider today the way the Lord has forgiven us. Because he is perfect, he has forgiven us of all sins, past, present, and future. The blood of Christ has covered 
every relationship, every harm, every hurt, every betrayal has covered it totally, fully, and freely. That is what we have. There is no sin that God holds against you. There is no offense that God holds against you. There is no hurt that God holds against you if you are forgiven in Christ. And it is a glorious thing. And because of that, because of that, we are able to model that in our relationships with each other. To demonstrate that in our relationships with each other. It is, it is one, it's harder than going to seminary, friends, like, believe me, to just look somebody in the eye and ask their forgiveness. Ask, you know, explain how you've hurt them, realize that you've hurt. It's harder than anything else we do. But it's what makes us the community that we are. Forgiven people forgive people. Starts with the Lord, moves towards others, transforms life to be able to have that trophy case of healed relationships rather than getting to the end of our ministry life and walking around with a lot of relational open wounds and embittered behavior because of what the Lord has done for us. How he has forgiven us, how he has never left us, how he has put up with us. Because it's his grace that gives us the capacity, his spirit giving us the capacity to do this with others. As you think about your own relationships, your own life, I would encourage you even this week to be with the Lord and just go, Lord, are there any old things that I just keep dredging up? Pull them up like an anchor and try to live my life. It doesn't work. Are there any ways that I just speak angrily? You can follow my bad, my bad example in this one and be better in that sense. Ways that I've harbored, spoken ill of people who love the Lord. Let that hinder the way that I interact with them. Go before the Lord and see. I would guess, now this isn't the case for everybody, but I would guess that those relationships exist. And, and I think there is a provision for us in Scripture, which is this. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. As far as it depends on you, you can't do parts A and B of a two-part relationship, but sometimes helicopter parents feel like you can, right? Or helicopter pastoring. You can't do both of those pieces. But you can do your part. As far as it depends upon you, live at peace. And you can give it over to the Lord. And whatever comes of it, comes of it. And you trust him with the outcome. And you let his grace be sufficient. And you let his restoration be good.